want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. Now, I've preached from this passage before, but I want to draw your attention to verses 12 and 13. We'll go back to the rest of it in a moment. But I want to draw your attention to verses 12 and 13 first. This is <clears throat> the Apostle Peter speaking. To, this is a secular letter. He wrote two letters, First and Second Peter. And this is the second one that was circulated around the uh, different churches. But he says, For this reason I will not be negligent to remind you always of these things though you know and are established in the present truth. He said, in other words, what he was saying is, is that I've taught you this before, and I know that you know this, and, uh, and that you're even established in it. But then he says, yes, I think it is right, as long as I'm in this tent, in other words, as long as I'm alive, to stir you up by reminding you, knowing that shortly I must put off my tent, just as our Lord Jesus Christ showed me. He's saying, as long as I'm alive, I'm going to keep reminding you of these things because it's so important. And uh, we're going to go back now and read verses 1 through 11. And we're going to speak on this topic this morning. I just made up, I, I just decided to do this as I was sitting there. You may have seen me, I think, during one of the songs or something, or maybe during the offering, I don't remember. I got up and I went back and I told Thomas to change everything. And I appreciate, Thomas, you doing that and uh, getting this ready for us. Second Peter chapter... 1 verses 1 through 11. It says, Simon Peter, a bondservant and an apostle for Jesus Christ. Now, Peter was one of the twelve, and Peter was uh, in that inner circle. Peter James, Peter, James, and John were in that inner circle of the inner circle. and uh, uh, But yet, he puts himself here, not only was he an apostle, but more important, then being an apostle, he was a bondservant. He, uh, he was a servant to the will of God, to what Jesus wanted him to do. That was more important than being an apostle. That was more important than being in the inner circle. And it was more important than being in the inner circle of the inner circle. The first thing he mentions is that he was a servant for the Lord. And I hope and pray that is the desire of each and every one of our hearts that uh, we might be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, To those who have obtained a like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. To those who have obtained a like precious faith with us. I've heard people say before, Yeah, if, if I had his faith, if I had his, if, if I had his commitment, if I had his devotion, 
I could have done some of the things. Yes, I, I know the apostles did this and this and this and this, but they were apostles. If I, if I was an apostle, maybe I could do those things as well. But folks, let me tell you something. There's no difference in the faith that the apostle Peter had and the faith that you have in Jesus Christ. There's no difference in what God was willing to do for Peter than what he's willing to do for you and for me. Notice those words. To those who have obtained a like precious faith. In other words, it's the same kind of faith. The same faith that saved Peter is the faith that saved you and saved me. He said to those, he said, grace and peace, starting in verse 2, he says, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and Jesus our Lord as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and to godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his glory and virtue by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He's saying, he's saying here that grace will be multiplied to you and God's grace, of course, is God's riches at Christ's expense. It's that divine power has been given to us. Everything that pertains to life and to godliness, God has already given to us. He's saying there that, uh, you know, some people say, well, you know, I, uh, one of these days, when I grow in the Lord, one of these days I'll be able to do something or so-and-so. Or, or some people, there are some, there are some churches that teach about a second blessing, you know, or a second filling. And, and you know, once you've received Christ, and once, but you need a second blessing, you need something else. But that's not what Peter is saying here. What Peter is saying here is that when we enter into that relationship with Jesus Christ, he has given us everything that pertains to life and to righteousness. Some people think, well, well, I don't know if I'm just capable of living the kind of righteous life, Pastor, that you speak of or, or that others talk about. I just don't know if I'm not able. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you are. If you've received Jesus Christ, as your Lord and Savior, you can. Because what he says there is in that initial uh, relationship, when we form that relationship with him, he gives us every single thing that pertains to life and to righteousness. You don't need a second blessing. You don't need to wait for another baptism of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to wait for all of those things. When you enter into that relationship with Jesus Christ, he's given you everything, everything that you need that pertains to life and to righteousness. And of course, all of this is uh, uh, talking about that initial 
salvation experience. It doesn't mean he's not saying that uh, you're not completely saved. He's not saying that you have to be saved and then you have to add these other things to your life. That's not what he's saying as far as salvation is concerned. Because once you are saved, you're saved. Amen? You have, you've entered into that relationship. But if you want to experience the abundant life, do you remember what Jesus said? Jesus says the thief came into the world to uh, steal, kill, and destroy. But I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. If you want to have that spirit-filled life, if you want to experience the, the, the wonders that God has to offer, that's what, uh, that's what uh, Melissa was talking about earlier in the children's uh, church thing. She was saying that God's gift will last forever, and it keeps giving, and it keeps giving, and it keeps giving, and it keeps giving. If you want to know the fullness of what a relationship with God is all about. He says you need to take that original experience and then you need to grow on that. It doesn't mean that you become more saved. It doesn't mean that you become a different kind of Christian. It's just talking about growing in that relationship that you've already established. If you want to grow in that relationship, if you want to get closer to God, if you want to know and experience His presence in your life more than you are right now, He says there are certain things that you need to add to your life. Not, not to be saved, you're already saved. But if you want to be a mature Christian, if you want to experience the fullness of what that relationship has to offer, He says add to your faith. See, add to your, Look there in verse 5. It says, but also for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith. It's not adding so that you'll be better saved. That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ. Folks, listen to me. If you've asked Christ to come into your life as your Lord and Savior, and you really meant what you said when you did that, you're going to heaven. You're a believer. And there's nothing you can do, there's nothing in this world that will ever pluck you out of God's hand. You are in His grasp and nothing can pluck you out of God's hand. I'm not talking about salvation here. I'm talking about growing in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And he says, if you want to grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ, be diligent. And that word diligent is being, being uh, focused, being focused on what God wants you to do. And he says, with all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Now that word virtue back in the day, was a military term. And what it meant is to stand at attention. See, that's what it, the original meaning was to stand at attention, to be upright. And what virtue, what we think of virtue today 
is being upright, being having character, being the type of people that you profess to be. You understand what I'm saying? Jesus said, or Peter said, if you want to fulfill that relationship with Jesus Christ, if you want to experience the best of what God has to offer, not you take that original salvation experience and then you continue, you, you begin to grow. And the first thing you need to grow at is that you need to take seriously that relationship and you need to you need to be virtuous. You need to be, this is not this doesn't have this is not how you get saved. This is what you add to that salvation experience to know the fullness of your relationship. Desire to be virtuous, to have character, to stand up for what you believe. Don't say one thing and then live your life another way. Be virtuous, add to your faith virtue and to your virtue it says to add knowledge knowledge what kind of knowledge is he talking about is he talking about being making straight A's in school and being valedictorian of your class getting a scholarship to Harvard or to Stanford or to Yale or something like that and and uh, graduating summa cum lot summa cum lately uh, no, no, it's, uh, uh, some will come lately. Uh, but no, that's not what it's talking It's not talking about that kind of knowledge. What's he talking about? Add to your faith virtue and the virtue, add, to vir- add knowledge, knowledge of God's word. The Bible says to study and show yourself approved. He's talking about knowledge of God's word. I've shared with you before that Billy Graham once said that 75% of churchgoers, did you hear that? Billy Graham said 75% of churchgoers are biblically illiterate. And what he means there, it's not that they don't know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believeth in him should not perish. Sure, we learned that. We learned, I learned that before I became a Christian. Everybody knows that verse. Or almost everybody. He's not talking about a verse here and a verse there. He's talking about getting into the word. Do you have a time each day when you study the word of God? I mean, do you spend time? So many times I hear Christians say, I don't know why, but I'm just not experiencing the abundant life. I hear people talking about this abundant life, but for some reason or another, <coughs> excuse me, I'm not, I'm not getting it. I'm not experiencing it. Well, have you added to your faith virtue and to your virtue knowledge? Are you taking time day by day and getting into the Word of God? Add to your faith virtue, your virtue knowledge, and your knowledge self-control. Self-control. What that's saying is don't let your emotions, don't let the world dictate how you're going to live your life. It's your life. It's your life and you are a bondservant to Christ, let God dictate the way you live your life. Don't live your life because of the way 
that your peers do, your friends at school, or your, the people that you work with, and you're, you're afraid to act a certain way because they think that you're weird. It says have some self-control. You determine what goes on to your life. Add to your faith knowledge and to your knowledge self-control and to your self-control perseverance. What's perseverance? It's patience. Add to your self-control patience. Be patient. Boy, you know what? This is a, this is a drive-through society that we live in. We want everything quick. I wouldn't go to that. I still haven't been to that new Canes because I don't want to wait in line for 30 minutes. The only time I go to Chick-fil-A, I let Deanne go to Chick-fil-A, but the only time I'll go to Chick-fil-A is like at 3 o'clock in the afternoon or, or because I don't want to wait in that line. I mean, I, you know, I'm the one of those guys that say, give me patience and give it to me right now, you know? That's the kind of world we live in. We live in an instant society. That's why we have microwaves. How many of you have a microwave in your house? Uh, every one of you. That's the reason. Because, because it's a whole lot easier to cook a, to heat up something in the microwave for two minutes than it takes 15 minutes or whatever it is on the stove. Where... Uh, So many times we ask God for things and if he doesn't do it right away we just assume he's not going to do it. Amen? Isn't that true? I mean, if God, if God doesn't do it right away we just assume he's not going to do it and we go on to something else. We go on to something else. Listen, folks, listen. Be patient. The Bible tells, tells us to wait on the Lord and know that he's God. Don't expect it to happen right away. Add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, to your knowledge self-control, your self-control patience or perseverance, and to your perseverance godliness. What that's talking about is living a godly lifestyle. Being devoted, doing, living your life the way God. Try to model and be like Christ. Some people, some people today are afraid to try to live a godly life because they think their neighbors and their friends and their co-workers will call them a goody two-shoes or, or a holy roller or, or a religious fanatic or something along those lines. Don't worry about that. Desire to live a godly lifestyle. And then it says to add to your godly lifestyle, brotherly kindness. Brotherly kindness. Some people call it brotherly love. Now this is not the agape type love. This is not the love that you have for everybody. It's not that unmerited love that Christ offers to all people. That's not what it's talking about. It's talking about brotherly kindness. Why, what does that mean? Well, it means being kind to the brethren. 
It's being kind to the brethren. In other words, there are people that you go to church with every Sunday. People that you know in your community that are believers. Be kind to one another. Don't have all of these petty little things going on in the church. You know, nothing, nothing hinders the church more than petty little stuff, divisions and backbiting and, you know, rumors and, and suspicions. and Nothing damages the church as much as that kind of stuff. Little cliques and, oh, if you're not in this clique and you can't be a part of that clique uh, or whatever, that'd be kind to one another. I, uh, that's one of the things I love about Hebron. I, I, I've told you this before, but I love this church because the people love one another. You don't hear about, I mean, you may, but I haven't heard about these little groups going back and forth. I've shared with you one of the saddest times in my life, probably the only time in my life where I prayed, God, please don't let there be any lost people in this church tonight. It was a church conference back when I was in college, not long after I'd come to know Jesus as my Lord and Savior. And this was back in the early 70s. And uh, a bunch of the college students, we were at the University of Florida, and uh, a bunch of the college, we had a huge college and career class, over 200 in our college and career class. And uh, and uh, some of the people, you know, this was before integration, and some of the people, there were some black students in that, in the, in the, that were friends, and we invited her to come to church, a couple of them. And one of the deacons went to see the pastor. We've got to do something about this. This is not an integrated church. And so they hold, held a special business meeting after church to discuss whether or not it was okay for a black student from the University of Florida to come visit North Central Baptist Church in Gainesville, Florida. And I saw a godly man stand up. He said, Jesus came to save all people. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't die for a... Uh, a certain race or a certain creed. He died for all people. Amen. And another one said, but we've never had one of those. And that guy, I'm not pointing to anybody. Roy, I'm not pointing to you. I'm pointing to an empty spot. <laughs> but that guy stood up in the church and he said some things about this one over here. There were brothers in Christ that haunt me to this day, and that was the day I prayed, God, please don't let there be any lost people in the church today to see one brother stand up and talk about another brother in that kind of a way. The Bible says that they'll know who we are by our love. For one another. There's no room. The ground is level at the cross. 
There's no room for any of that kind of nonsense. Add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, to your knowledge self-control, to your self-control godliness, to your godliness brotherly kindness, to your brotherly kindness, he says, love. Now this is the agape type love. That's the word there, agape. That's that unconditional love that God has for us. We are to have for the world. We are to reach out to the world. I was at a conference one time, and uh, it was a missionary conference. And there were some missionaries there from South Korea. Not American missionaries that were going to South Korea, but there were South Korean missionaries that had come to America. You see, we think of ourselves as being the missionary senders. But there are some people in this world that believe we need missionaries to come here to share the because there's a lot of people in America that don't know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. And folks, that's one of the things that you and I need to be about. Now let me tell you, let me let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. The reason I didn't preach this 2022 message today is because I want to save it for next week because I think more people will be here. And one of the things, one of the things I'm going to say, I'll just give you a preview. Don't, there's a lot more that I'm not saying, so don't feel like you don't have to come. But one of the things that I am going to say is that we need to break out of this doldrum. In 2022, we need to get out of this, and we need to be about being Hebron Baptist Church in Bells, Texas. We need to reach out. We've lied a lot. Last week we had 100, and, well, we had 100 today, but last week we had 125. The week before that we had 132. You think I don't, yeah, I look at the numbers. We got to break out. We got to see what God put us here for. And we need to show that agape love to all the people around. There's nobody, there's nobody that lives in Grayson or Fannin County that should be beyond what we're trying to do, what we're offering here. And that's the grace and the goodness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, <clears throat> Phil and I had prayer this morning. And one of the things that I shared, I needed to ask for forgiveness because I've allowed the last two years for us to just kind of drift. Because of the pandemic and being closed and people afraid and all of the, all of the junk, and we've just drifted over the last couple of years. It's time for us to start doing. 
what God called us to do. Amen? To get beyond, to get beyond the doldrums and start doing. Well, I, I, I was getting into that message. I, I, whatever. I was doing that on purpose. I wasn't. Add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, to your knowledge self control, to your self control. Uh, godliness to your godliness, brotherly kindness to your brotherly kindness, love. And then there in verse uh, 8, for if these things are yours and abound, you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you want to bear fruit? Do you want to be effective? you want our church to... Uh, be effective in reaching and ministering to the area around, the community around us. He says, add these things to your lives, to your faith, and they will keep you from being barren or unfruitful. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted. It's that vision. Is short-sighted even to blindness, and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins, forgotten what God had done for us. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. For if you do these things, let me say that again, if you do these things, if you add to your faith these things, listen to what it says, this is not me. Not me saying this. This is God saying this. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. For so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. Let me tell you something. When I used to, when I, the first time I read that, first three or four times I guess I read it, maybe more than that. Always thought when I was talking about providing that entrance into the eternal kingdom of God, I always thought about going to heaven. And I always pictured myself uh, walking through those gates on those streets of gold and all of the saints were there. And it was like a ticker tape parade. You've seen those in New York City and all those ticker tapes are all falling down and all everybody's celebrating. It's kind of like uh, New Year's Eve night on uh, at uh, Madison Square Garden, uh, where, wherever it is, huh? Times Square, and and all everybody is rejoicing and laughing and having a great time. That's what I I, I thought that verse meant. <clears throat> but let me tell you something. When do you enter into the kingdom of God? Folks, listen, it's not when you get to heaven. This is not a pie in the sky when you die by and by religion. It's not everything is when you die and go to heaven. You enter into the kingdom of God. You enter into his forever family. You are talking about forever gifts, Melissa. You enter into his forever family. You become recipients of those tremendous, exceedingly great and precious promises 
the moment you enter into that relationship with him. Oh, oh, do you want those? Do you want to know? See, that's, that's where the knowledge of the word is. A lot of people don't know the exceedingly great and precious promises that God offers. They don't know what they are, so they don't know if they're missing them or not. Oh, but they become available to us when we enter into that relationship with God. Are you experiencing that abundant life? Is that what you want for your life? Starting next Sunday, I'm going to be preaching a series about vision, seeing all that. Don't be blinded. That's what, that's what Peter was warning against. Don't be blinded to all that God has to offer. Be able to see it and reach out and grab hold of it and know that God is real. It's not something that we just talk about. He's real. And he's given us these exceedingly great and precious promises that our entrance into the kingdom of God and our maintaining that entrance will be forever wonderful and fulfilled, never barren or unfruitful. You'll never stumble. Add to your faith virtue, to your virtue knowledge, to your knowledge self-control, to your self-control perseverance, to your perseverance brotherly kindness, and to your brotherly kindness love. If those things are yours, and abound, they will keep you from being either barren or unfruitful. Wow. Amen. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for today. I thank you for the blessings that you give us. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you for this time together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. And